before we start, I, I have to just ask this question. It's the beginning of the grilling season, right? <laughs> Did you know that there are a number of biblical meals in the Bible? There are. And I was just wondering, by the show of hands, I'm going to ask you a question. You've got to be honest. I'm wondering if, if you, some of you here in this grilling season serve one of these meals. meals. And the one I'm, I'm thinking about is the priest would bring a Levitical offering as unto the Lord, okay? A burnt offering, all right? <laughs> so come on now. How many here have, have presented to, you, to your family a burnt offering as unto the Lord because they're not going to eat it anyway? Anybody? Spouses, you, I mean, I have. I have. I need help. Cody's helping me. Andrew's boyfriend. Where's Cody at? Is he here? Putting him, I'm putting the poor guy on the spot. He's helping me. So, all right, that was that. Good morning, Gateway Church. We, I should have just started this way right here. We are a growing family after God's heart. I like that word after. It denotes motivation and drive. We're going hard after God because he is the ultimate passion of our lives. We love him supremely because he first loved us. And we are ravished by this pursuit. We're going hard after God, and that's just the way it is for this church. If you're thinking about Gateway Church and who we are, and should I lock up? Should I, should I, should I connect my heart with what's happening here? I just want to tell you something. I want, I want you to know something about us. We're going hard after God, and we're not going to make any excuses. We're going to say it often. And if you're not going hard after God, we're going to get in your face in such a way that you feel like, hey, I'm out of the loop. No spiritual exercises, no external things. You can never talk about that too much. Every other pursuit in life is pale compared to this one. He is worthy of our deepest affection and all of our attention every day, all day long. When you're working, pray. Talk to God. Find out what God wants you to do. Listen to his voice. He'll put a scripture in your mind. There's no greater thing to do there's no greater love than love for God. Therefore, we will obey God. We will follow his commands, not simply because we must and should, but because we love God, and it is the delight of our lives. But I still struggle. I believe everything that I just said with all my heart. But the struggle is this. I don't always want to do the right thing. 
There are times when I want to give in to the flesh and the world. I want to choose my own way. I want to go down my own path. Sometimes the commands of God feel just plain heavy and burdensome, like I'm walking around with a 30, 50-pound backpack and my shoulders begin to droop. I get overwhelmed by the sheer volume of everything that I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to feel and act like. And there's just no way that I can do all of that. Really, Pastor, you feel that way? Yeah, I do. Do you struggle with those kinds of thoughts? I think you do. In fact, I know you do. We all do. Now listen. You have to catch this part. I know that these thoughts are not coming from the Word of God or the Spirit of the Lord. They are lies. And it's like we need spiritual smelling salts to wake and shake us free and reroute our thinking. The truth is, God's way, following him, doing his commandments, are not burdensome. And it takes the truth to confront the lie and wake us up, and that's what we do here together. Sometimes we come to church, we're slumbering spiritually. We actually believe these lies that following the commands of God is just, this is like, this is so weighty. It's so heavy. It's so burdensome. Will someone help me lift this load? I'm failing. I'm floundering. So we take the word of the Lord in our study now in 1 John, and we put it right down on top of the head of the lie and crush it. And in so doing, we're set free to love and obey. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves a father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and what? Carrying out his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's time to reroute. Let the Word of God reroute our thinking from burdensome to delight. To delight. We're going to land on verse 3. In fact, this is love for God to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Here's what I want you to know today in this message. I want you to write this down somewhere. I'm going to put it on the screen. It's this right here. Loving God is not just external obedience. It's not just rule keeping. It's not polishing the outside of the cup. It's not keeping and doing the commands. 
It's not external obedience. You can look really good to your neighbor sitting beside you, but only God knows your heart. It means this, having a heart that doesn't find God's commandments burdensome. I want to I I be at that place. Let me say it again. Loving God is not just external obedience. It means having a heart that doesn't find God's commandments burdensome. If the, the commandments are not burdensome, what are they? They are desirable. What you desire to do with your whole heart is not burdensome to do. This is where we want to be. This is the kind of heart we want to have. Listen to the psalmist, Psalm 48. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Underlined this verse, I delight to do your will. Psalm 119, 24, your testimonies are what? My delight. They are my counselor. Psalm 119, 35, lead me in the path of your commandments. For I what? Say this with me. I that's good. I'm going to give you a chance to read this next verse. Verse 92, Psalm 119. Let's read it together. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Let's read it again. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Loving God means admiring and valuing, and treasuring, and desiring him with such authenticity that his will is your delight, and it's not burdensome. I want you to know something today. God doesn't want you to be weighed down. He wants to lift your load So when doing the commandments are not delightful, but burdensome, like I said earlier, God knows my heart. He knows that I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. But I don't always live that out. Sometimes all of this commandments is like, it's burdensome. God doesn't want that to be the case for you and for me. So when that happens, I got to stop. I got to stop everything that I'm doing, no matter how hard I'm trying. If, if following God becomes something that's very burdensome and weighty to me, I got to just stop and put everything on hold. I got to figure out what's going on in my relationship with God because this is not the way God wants me to live. I mean, there's times in my life where I make the choice because I know it's the right thing to do. And I I do that. But if that's all I ever do, I need to stop and say, wait, something's not quite gelling. I don't think it's supposed to be this hard. I got to reroute my thinking. Something's off here. There are a couple of approaches to rerouting. One doesn't work, but we try to do it often. You know what I'm talking about when I 
when I say rerouting, right? I was going to bring my phone in. I didn't. Forgot, which is good because I typically don't bring my phone on Sunday mornings. Just leave it. And, but today when I would like to have it, you know, the GPS, we all use GPS now. And, you know, you, you, you push that little button and you, you type in your destination, right? Typing in, what is it? Christ-likeness. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could take that GPS, spiritual GPS, type in the destination. I want to be more like Christ. Really, that is what's in my heart. I love him. Rerouting. When I'm trying to go my own way. It's like rerouting. Paul, you need to make that right with Deanna. You need to confess your sin. You need to acknowledge where you've wronged. How how you've been insensitive. Rerouting. Paul, you need to forgive this person. Okay, Lord. No problem. You need to capture that attitude. You got a bad attitude. Okay, Lord. You got to deal with that thought of lust. Deal with that temptation. You got to do it quickly in the first frame. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm on it. Rerouting. But I get into trouble when I want to reroute on my own. When I don't think I need any help. I think I have the destination all figured out. I can do this on my own. I know how to get downtown to this place. I don't need this Siri or whoever it is telling me what to do. I'm turning it off. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going my own way. Or we become list makers and rule keepers in our attempt to be more like Christ. Now, I'm not advocating that there are no commandments or it doesn't really matter if I'm aware of them or if I keep them. Far from it. Look at verses 2 and 3 again. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is a big deal. In fact, this is love for God. To what? Everyone say it. To keep his commands, right? Say it again. To keep his commands. Do you know how many commands there are in the Bible? I ran across this this study gets a little fuzzy on what is a command and what isn't, and it's debatable how many there are, but this one guy had a list. I got, I got the list. All for all us rule keepers who like the rules and the commands, and we need to see it. I got the list. And this is just the New Testament list, one guy. You know, you know how many commands there are on this list? 1,050. There are 
12 pages. I mean, it's got, it's got everything. All the commands. Right here, at our fingertips. I have them. Now, I got to hold it out here because I'm not going to put my glasses on, but seven abstains. Abstain from idols, one act, and scriptures. Abstain from idols. Acts 15, 20. 74 Bs, okay? Number six, be ready for Christ's return. That's the command. Okay, trying. Trying on that one. Be thankful. Colossians 3.15, you're just thinking, you are not going to go through all 1,000 of them, are you? Yeah, because you need to know the commands. <laughs> and you have to do Does this feel weighty? I mean, right now, is anybody like feeling like, wow? Or maybe some are going, yeah, I, got, I did it. Check. Be patient towards all people. Okay, got it. 30, be not. Be not conceited. Okay, I'm working on that one. Need some work there. Ten do's, ten do nots, ten things to follow, seven things about giving, 100 let, let your light shine. I mean, on and on and on the list goes. 200 miscellaneous. It's an interesting study, but I don't know how valuable it is. I like making lists, crossing things off, making a, a check by them. There's a sense of accomplishment. How well am I doing? Good job, Paul. But if you're not careful with the spiritual list, your heart can become like a legalistic Pharisee. They were the best list and rule keepers ever. But their hearts were far from God. You know, that's one extreme. Where we actually believe that we could do these. Or we could just cross them off and feel good about our religious activity. The other is despair and feeling like a failure. I'm not doing so good. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I can't possibly do and keep over a hundred or a thousand commandments. It makes me tired and feel depressed just reading it. There's no way. I keep going back to page one and two. So what do I, what do I feel? It's just like, I'm just going to give it up. I can't do that. This is burdensome. It's definitely not a delight, but a duty. You know what Jesus did with this whole thing? He simplified the code. He never compromised with the commandments. He didn't do away with the moral commandments. Matthew 5, 17 through 20, I'm just going to read verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He goes on to say, every one of those commandments I fulfilled, not the least of them, 
didn't have meaning to me. Jesus didn't do away with the moral commandments. He did the ceremonial commandments in the Old Testament, but not the moral commandments. He didn't say that those commandments were not important or they didn't matter. But he had this ability to take the complex and to make it simple. Do you remember what he said in response? To someone who kept all the Old Testament commandments, I think 673 of them, he asked Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Matthew 22, 34 through 40, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, what? Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first, and it's the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40. This is what I want you to catch. All the law and the prophets hang on what? These 670, no, these two commandments. We're to make loving God the number one pursuit of our lives. And out of that love, to love others. This is the ultimate pursuit. And when we do that, all the other commandments are not burdensome, but delightful. It works. When your heart has been so transformed by God's love, the greatest delight of your life will be to obey God. And when he whispers in your ear because you read the word and you read about forgiveness and he says to you, you need to forgive. And you're saying, the greatest thing in my heart is to follow you, Jesus. I'll forgive. I don't want to do it, but you're calling me to do it. It's not a burden, Jesus. It's a command. It's not a burden, because I love you. Beloved, I want to get to that place in my life where I say to God and mean it. Out of a heart of passionate love for him, I want to say to God, God, I would do anything for you. Do you want to get to that place in your life again? You were there. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, yesterday. Because you, you know his love so passionately, you say to God, God, I would do anything for you. I would say anything you want me to say. Just help me, Lord. I would go anywhere you want me to go. I would give up anything
I would change the priorities in my life. I would forgive. I will give all out of love. I think I've been there before in my life. I don't know how long I stay in that place. Many of you have been there in that place with God. Maybe, you, maybe you're there right now. Maybe not. But I want to stay in that place longer because when I'm in the Word and the Spirit puts a finger on a command I'm not keeping, my heart is so willing and wanting to reroute. The anger has to go. The lust has to go. The addictions have to go. And so I will conclude with how I started. This is what I want you to remember when you go home and think about this message. Loving God is not just external obedience. It means having a heart that doesn't find God's commandments burdensome. And the only way that happens is to love him supremely. Where we say to him, Jesus, following and obeying you is not a burden. Your commands are my delight because I love you more than life itself. So we're going to transition to this table, communion. And this is what motivates us to live for Jesus right here. This is a picture of his amazing love for us, right? And that he loved us so much that he gave his life, that he came to this planet out of love. He paid a debt that we could never pay. We could never save ourselves. Clara could never save herself. She came to that place in her life where she said, Jesus, save me. Save me from my sin. I repent. I turn to you. I put my faith and trust in you. If there was any other way, God wouldn't have had to come. But there wasn't any way. But out of love, he loves you. If you were the only one, we say it often, he would have come just for you. He would have died for you. He wants you to know his amazing love. So we pass out the elements here at Gateway Church and they're symbolic of of his body, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. His body was broken for us. We take the cup that's symbolic of his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to participate in this time together in the Lord's table. You need to be a Christian. You need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It only makes sense then. If not, it doesn't make any sense. You can refrain. You'd rather not participate. That's okay. But we want to know that you're invited if you're a Christian. By the Holy Spirit, you would just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, show me if there's unconfessed sin in my life. I want to make it right. I want to follow your commands, and I don't want them to be a burden. 
I want to do it out of love. And so I pray that you would experience his amazing love as you take the bread and drink of the cup. I'm going to ask the communion stewards if they'll come, Pastor Joel, the worship team, and ask when we pass out the elements that you just hold that element and we'll, we'll take that together. Well, let's just spend a few moments praying. Let's quiet our hearts before the Lord. The Holy Spirit is desiring to speak to our hearts this morning in his word. our hearts right before you in confession. We confess that we can't keep those commandments, not one page, in our own strength, in our own power. We try, we fail. So Lord, we, we recognize that this morning, but we also recognize the power of your love, how it breaks the shame and the condemnation in our lives and our hearts, and how we can fulfill your commandments to love and to obey out of love. God, I pray that that would find a place in our hearts today. So God, we come with clean hands, with a pure heart, so we confess our need for you. Jesus, thank you for the work, your work on the cross, your death, your burial, your resurrection. In Jesus' name.